Uh, glad that you're here. Uh, do, we have any, do we have any Buckeye fans here? Okay, yeah, it's clear to me that there are some in this room. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. You are with a fellow Buckeye fan. Perhaps there are some of you that, that don't care for watching the Buckeyes. Maybe, oh, maybe you're a Purdue person, or, uh, or, or maybe, maybe you don't like college ball at all. You prefer the NFL, and you're, you're a, a Browns person, or, or a Bengals person, or uh, the dreadful Steelers person. I don't know. Uh, the, the Baltimore person. Many of you are fans of something, and as a result of being a fan, if, if you are watching a game, what, what you will often do, what we are accustomed to doing is that we, we might put on a, a hat for our favorite team, or, or maybe we, we put on a shirt, and, and the name of our favorite team is on our shirt, and we, we, we carry the name of our team, we represent them, we, we cheer for them. And, and what happens when we carry the name of our favorite team and then we join with others is that there's a sense of community, there's a sense of, of oneness with those that we are gathered with. I could be walking through Costco wearing a Browns shirt and some weirdo will be like, hey, go Browns. And there's a sense of community that is there. Sometimes I'm that weirdo. And, and maybe it's because there aren't a whole lot of us that are very proud to wear the brown shirt, so we feel like we have to connect with each other. Maybe you're not a sports person at all. Maybe you're a music person, and so you, you wear the shirt or the hat of, of your favorite band as a way to, to represent them or to, to, to identify yourself with that kind of person. <laughs> Maybe you have a job where you'll, you'll wear the logo somewhere on your shirt or you carry a tumbler and the logo of your company is on the tumbler. And you do that because once again, you are an ambassador for the company. You, 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 you are identifying as a person who works there. Perhaps you are marketing for the company. Some of you today may be wearing a t-shirt that says Vista Community Church, and you are, in a sense, representing Vista, and as you leave from here, maybe you stop by the grocery store, you take a walk in the park, or, or you stop at a restaurant, and whether poorly or well, you are representing Vista. Some of you even have a, 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 an orange sticker with a V on the back, and it's on the back of your car, Vista Community Church. You are carrying the name of the church with you. I have made the decision to not do that, and it's, it's not because I'm ashamed of Vista. It's because I do not want to poorly represent Vista while I'm driving. <laughs> I have a tendency, I, I can be on the road, going someplace I've been 50 times, coming around 270, and there goes the exit, because I'm deep in thought. But sometimes there doesn't go the exit. I see it just in time, just in time to, to, to pull over and cut someone off, and I don't want them, while they're waving their one finger, I, I don't want them <laughs> So the very first thing to see would be the Vista. I don't want to represent you poorly. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> welcome. 
There, there's, there's another way we can sometimes represent each other. Do, do any of you have a trust or a will in place? When you have this legal document in place, you would name a person as trustee or ex- executor. This, this trustee would be a legal representation of you. This is your spokesperson after you're gone. This is the person that is a fiduciary to you. They, they have to do what's in your best interest to carry out your desires and what is written out in your document. They are carrying your name in a similar way that we carry the name of our favorite team, only there's accountability, there's responsibility there. They are carrying your name, but the trustee is doing something else as well. They are also a fiduciary. They also have to do what's in the best interest of the beneficiaries of the grantor, of the trust, the person who wrote the trust. Right, So they are representing as well the beneficiaries to make sure they get what they're supposed to get, which is a tremendous responsibility. I want to begin to dig into the word today, and we are going to plow through. I bet the next 20 to 25 minutes, we're going from verse to verse to verse because I want to build a case, and I want to build a very solid foundation for understanding the third command. You see, we have been in a series called The Ten Keys of Human Flourishing, We're talking about the 10 sayings or the the 10 commandments. And today we're talking about the third, taking God's name in vain. I will say I want to give a lot of credit to a woman by the name of Dr. Carmen Imes who uh, did her entire dissertation on the third commandment. And I am relying very heavily on her academic research Let's go ahead and and head into scripture. Exodus chapter 28, verse 29 is where I want to start. It says this. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel. Who is Aaron? Aaron is the, the, the first high priest. We are looking in Exodus chapter 28 at this is still the this is still God speaking to Moses about the law. This is the same the same string that comes from the 10 commandments. We're just a few chapters later. And God is speaking to Moses about how the the high priest should be dressed what he should be wearing as he enters his presence. And it says, so Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel. Bear the names. Here's the word for bear. Nasa. The Hebrew word nasa. It's very similar to our understanding of NASA. There's no connection, but, but, but to, to, to NASA means to lift up. It means to carry. It means to bear. And Aaron is instructed to have on his breastlet plate, on his person as he enters the Holy of Holies, he is instructed to have 12 stones which represent the 12 tribes of Israel and their names are on there. Why? Because he is physically 
carrying the names, the people of Israel into the presence of God. He is carrying their name. He is a fiduciary doing what is in their best interest. A few verses later, Exodus chapter 28, verses 36 to 38, it says, you shall make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of a signet, holy to the Lord, holy to the Lord, set apart to the Lord, distinct unto the Lord, belonging to the Lord. This is on this gold plate. And then Aaron, you should fasten that to a turban, a cord of blue, and it should be tied to your forehead. And Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate and their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead. What is happening here? What's happening is that now Aaron is also carrying, physically carrying the name of God on his forehead, belonging to God, holy unto Yahweh, holy unto the Lord. He is carrying the name of God. So he is acting as fiduciary, if you will, in the best interest of God. He is representing God and what his instructions are as he carries God's name on him, on his person. And he at the same time is representing the beneficiaries, if you will. He is representing, carrying the names of those that are benefiting from the grantor, from God, from the law. You with me so far? And then we look back at Exodus chapter 19 and we see something very interesting happen here. It says this, as, and by the way, this Exodus 19, it comes, it comes just before the Ten Commandments, which happen in Exodus 20, which is usually the way that works. 19 almost always comes before 20, <laughs> unless you're counting by twos. I can throw that off a little bit. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, speaking to all of Israel now, and how I bore you on eagles', eagles wings. How I bore you on eagles, how I carried you. This is the same word, nasa, to carry. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. How I, how I redeemed you from Egypt. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Treasured possession here is a, a legal possession. Because I redeemed you, because I brought you out of Egypt, and as you carry my name, you will be my treasured possession. You will carry my name. Belonging to the Lord. Treasured possession. Holy to the Lord. And you shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words that you should speak to the people of Israel. What's happening here? God is saying, you people of Israel, you are like Aaron. You are a whole nation of priests. And your role is to carry my name, to represent me among all of the nations who are beneficiaries. You carry a similar role to Aaron in that you are here to be a mediator, to reconcile what God is doing among the people of this world. Numbers chapter 6, as I continue to, to build this case about how we carry the name of God, this one will be very, very familiar to you, maybe until the last verse. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. Ready? This, one, this is the familiar part. This is the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. This is beautiful. This, this is similar to that first commandment that Pastor Mike taught about that, you know, the, the command is thou shalt have no other gods before my face is literally what it's saying. This is personal. May, may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. They shall put my name upon the people of Israel. Do you, this is like an invisible branding, if you will. They are people who carry the name of God and live out the responsibility of carrying his name and represent God to the nations. Are you with me so far? Okay. Because you're probably wondering, what does this have anything to do with the third command? And I would argue this, that if you don't understand that God is speaking to the people about carrying his name, you won't really understand the third command. Let's take a look at the third command or the second, depending on your tradition, or the word or the saying of God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, first of all, we should pay attention whenever God's word says something like, the Lord won't hold you guiltless for doing it. What does carrying the name of God have anything to do with taking his name in vain? Everything. Because the word for take is nasa. You shall not carry the name of God in vain. You shall not lift up his name in vain. You should not bear his name in vain. In other words, people of God, you carry God's name in a special way. 
right before the Ten Commandments, you know what it says? It says, you have been redeemed. I have pulled you out of Egypt. Uh, By my grace, I have pulled you out. And as a result, you are to carry my name. Do not carry my name and not bear fruit. Do not carry my name, my sacred name, in a mundane kind of way. Do not carry my name in such a way that you misrepresent me to the nations that I'm also wanting to redeem. Do not bear my name in vain. And yet, they did. What's interesting is that we see in Ezekiel chapter 36, this won't be on the screen, we, we see the people of God, of course, they are in exile. They have left their land because of their covenant in unfaithfulness. They were taken from their land, I should say. And the nations are seeing this and they're beginning to mock and to poke fun. And they're beginning to say about Israel that what kind of a God do you serve? You you can't even stay in your own land. You get removed from your land. Your, Your God has no power. Your God is not sovereign. He has no authority. You call him the great I am. And God sees this and he says, you have profaned my name. You have made it common. You have not exalted my name because of your unfaithfulness. You were removed from the land and you have now misrepresented me. You have misrepresented me to the people. So God says this. He says, I'm going to bring you back from exile, but not for your sake, not because you deserve it, but to exalt my name in order to hallow my name, in order to make it holy again. And I don't believe that God was insecure. I don't think he, he needed to do it, to, to, to write his reputation for his own sake, but for the sake of beneficiaries. They have to know that I am the one true God, that all other gods are false. They have to know. So God hallows his name. We move forward a little bit. We come to this man named Jesus, fully God, fully human. We see him teaching about hallowing the name, don't we? In fact, Matthew chapter 6, within the Sermon on the Mount, Starting at verse 5, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? I'll tell you who the hypocrites are. They are the ones who carry the name of God but are fruitless. 
They're the ones taking the name of God in vain. That's who the hypocrites are. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. And truly I say to you, they have received their reward in full. Oh, the vanity of that. Wow, they've received the admiration of people because of the way they pray. That's all they get. The vanity. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who's in secret. Your father who sees what's in secret will reward you. Don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. Pray like this. Sorry, I went pretty fast there. We're in verse nine now. Pray like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name, set apart be your name, sacred be your name. Something different than all else be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's Jesus doing here? He is doing the opposite of profaning. That's what he's doing. He is carrying the name of God. For him, it's quite literal. It's not just on his forehead. (laughs) He is God. He is carrying the name of God, the presence of God. And he's saying, when you pray, you must hallow his name, and that hallowing of his name comes out in you as his will is being done through you. This is the opposite of taking his name in vain. And it's what it means to hallow his name, to live his will out in your life and to represent him correctly. As we come to understand this, we, we might even see other pieces of the Sermon on the Mount just a little bit different. A, a tree and its fruit, the, the, the tree that does not bear fruit should be cut off. What? What's that? Taking God's name in vain, carrying his name, not bearing fruit. What's more vain than a fruit tree that doesn't produce fruit? We might even see it when Jesus is talking about those that say, you know, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Depart from me, I never knew you. What's happening there? Taking of God's name in vain, carrying his name in vain without fruit. And we come to Matthew chapter 15, verse seven to nine. Jesus here is speaking to the Pharisees. And this is what he says, you hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Someone who carries the name of God but does not bear the fruit of God in his life, does not carry the presence of God, does not represent God appropriately. You hypocrites. Didn't Isaiah prophesy of you when he said this? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. This is, this is taking God's name in vain, bearing his name in vain. You, you, you say, you, you, you demonstrate 
but your heart is far from me. It says, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And so we find that among the other sins of the Pharisees is the breaking of the third command. Thou shalt not take the name the Lord your God in vain. Thou shalt not bear or carry his name fruitlessly with emptiness, void of meaning. Thou shalt not misrepresent God before the nations. So Aaron carried the name of God for the sake of the beneficiaries. Israel carried the name of God for the sake of the beneficiaries. Jesus perfectly carried the name of God. He is the only one that has not taken the name of God in vain. He lived it perfectly. He, he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, God, take, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours be done. He carried it perfectly. He carried the name perfectly. He points out that the Pharisees are not carrying the name perfectly. But then we come to a letter from Paul, and I know I'm hitting a ton of scripture here. Bear with me. It's, it's, all, it's all coming to something. We come to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. So through Christ, we are reconciled to God. In Christ, the mediator, in Christ, the one who is the ambassador, who represented God perfectly and represented us perfectly, we are reconciled to God. not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. We are now entrusted with the same message of reconciliation. Bearing the name of God, carrying the names of people, of the nations. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God is making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Do you feel the responsibility of that? I do. To be the one who carries the name of God, who represents him, who, what is written out in his trust, in his will, so to speak, and has to represent him perfectly before the beneficiaries it has to represent the beneficiaries. You might say, Eric, this is, this is heavy. Yeah, I feel it too. Eric, I've, I've broken this command a lot. I, I didn't think I did, but I think I have. <sighs> yeah, I feel that too. 
I feel that too. And I think that sort of thing has to lead us to confession. But thank God the confession is, uh, it ends well. <laughs> Let's just briefly run through what we see in the book of Revelation. We see in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, at the very end of that chapter, 16 and 17, it's talking about the beast. And it says, also it calls us all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. What's the mark? Oh, the name of the beast. These are people who bear, who carry the name of the beast. Oh, that's fascinating. Without a seam, we go directly from 13 into 14. There is no verse in between. 14.1, it says this, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and the Father's name written on their foreheads. Oh, the name of the Father is on their foreheads, and the name of the Lamb Jesus on their foreheads. I don't know. I don't know what the. Is this invisible branding suddenly becoming visible only to John and his vision? That this branding is being made evident. Real quick, Revelation 22 4, it says, they will see his face. This, this personal interaction with God, they will see his face. They will have relationship with him. May his face shine upon you, and his name will be on their foreheads. These are people who carry the name of God. And sometimes we carry it well, and sometimes we don't carry it well. But here's why you and I can leave here today if we have submitted ourselves before him, if we have answered his call to follow him, this is why you and I can leave lighthearted. Because we are not judged based on how we carry his name. The only reason we carry his name Remember, the Ten Commandments starts out, you have been redeemed. I have pulled you out of Egypt, out of slavery. Therefore, carry out these commands, one of which is you are now a carrier of God's name. The only reason we carry God's name is because we've already been redeemed. We are not judged based on how we carry the name of God. We are judged based on how Jesus carries our name. In Revelation, we see it a couple times that the names of those who are redeemed, guess where they are? They are written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Jesus carries our name. And in Christ, who perfectly carried the name of God and who perfectly carries our name, he will not take our name in vain. He will not carry our names without fruit. Does this make sense? It's beautiful. This theme from the beginning to the end of Scripture is beautiful. Maybe you're here today and you have never answered the call to follow Jesus. Maybe you have never responded to him. And you're realizing that there's nothing you can do to carry his name. There is nothing you can do to bridge this gap. You're realizing that the only way to bridge this gap from you to God is through Jesus. Today just might be the day that you need to answer that call. Today might be the day that you need to respond to his grace, his loving wooing to you. And if it's not today, simply ask the Lord, Lord, would you keep speaking to me? Would you make my ear attentive to you? I want to see you. I want to know you. Most importantly, I want to be known by you. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, that gospel message is something that does not get old. We thank you that week after week we can preach about your goodness and the way that you have reconciled us to yourself and it just doesn't get old. We thank you that you have redeemed us, that you have called us by name. Us children, we are yours. And we ask that you would help us as those who are redeemed, to carry your name well and not in vain. It's in Jesus' most precious, exalted, holy, hallowed name, the name above all other names, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.